I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The headlines this week cover a wide range from Afghanistan, Russia, Ukraine. China and Taiwan, the global economy, geopolitical balance changing. The real question beyond the headlines is, what does it mean for the U.S. and what is America's role in the world? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, with all of those questions, uh, to me, the big question is, what is America's role as we move into the future? This Friday, Congressman Chris Stewart will be hosting the annual Stewart Security Summit. It's an important conversation that's always held right here in the state of Utah. The focus will be this year on America's role in the world or what it should be moving forward. And joining us in studio, very pleased to have Congressman Stewart join us today. Congressman, welcome. Thank you. Uh, you. You just have I have so much respect for you and what you do, and it's just an honor to be with you. Thank you, Boyd. Well, we appreciate that, and uh, we appreciate you elevating the conversation. And this is a uh, a summit that I have watched over the years, and it's continued to grow in importance and strength. And uh, just the people you're able to bring in to have these crucial conversations uh, about security, about America's role in the world. Give us a little sneak peek of uh, what's happening this year and uh, what's what's the focus going to be. Well, you know, we put these programs together probably in, you know, late winter, you know, January, February of the year before uh, as we try to put something, uh, you know, bring the program here to Utah in August. Uh, and we wanted this year to focus on Taiwan and China. <clears throat> so we have the uh, U.S. ambassador. We, we re- actually can't call her the ambassador because right. we don't have a, a formal relationship with them. The U.S. representative from Taiwan. Uh, and then uh, Ennis Cantor, who I think a lot of people in Utah will remember. And he's become kind of an international superstar, a, a spokesman on his willingness to point out, uh, for example, China's treatment of the Uyghurs in, right. in Western China and, the, and the, you know, the slave camps that they've created there for them. But that's not the only thing we're going to be talking about. We've got, uh, uh, you know, we've got some military, uh, some general officers and uh, a number of other things as well. A couple of congressmen. Uh, uh, Rick Crawford, who sits with me on the House Intelligence Committee, who comes from Arkansas, an agricultural state. Mm. But his focus on intelligence has been on food security. And he's been at the tip of the spear of recognizing that food and food security is one of the key indicators and one of the most uh, one of the most important tipping points for us on on global security and on, uh, you know, not having uh, the instability that can come from starvation, which we're actually looking at in many parts of the world right now. So we, we think it's a it's a great lineup. We, we look forward to presenting it. And we're so proud to do it here in Utah. That's wonderful. That's coming up on Friday, August 5th at Little America in downtown Salt Lake City, 830 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, and as part of that, I want to go to this uh, idea on food security. Uh, obviously, a lot of the headlines, we've, we've talked about Afghanistan, and, and we know currently that they really are looking at some 
starvation level problems in terms of food security rolling into winter. We also know uh, that uh, finally we have some Ukrainian wheat moving out of Ukraine for the first time since that war began. Give us some perspective again from an intelligence standpoint. Uh, How does that, because not many people connect the dots on that, that food security and our security uh, are really connected. Well, and they are. And so before we talk about it, the global or the strategic uh, elements to this, let me indicate, I think, more the human element. And that is, well, here in the United States, we all know there's inflation. We all feel that. Every one of us do. And if you're a young family or if you're, say, a single mother, I mean, this is something people feel intently. But as I had someone describe it to me, if you're in Tunisia, for example, or North Africa, Egypt, or any number of places that are almost entirely dependent on Ukrainian wheat, Mm -hmm. uh, then this is not just an inconvenient or a frightening thing in the sense that I'm worried about how I'm going to pay for this. This is a catastrophe. This is a life and death catastrophe for you. And as uh, as this individual was saying to me, if you're used to going to the market and paying $5 for a bushel of wheat... And now the bushel of wheat costs $10. You don't just kind of you know grumble and pay $10. What you do is you buy half a bushel because mm. you have $5, and that's all. And you're going right. to buy whatever food that you can with that amount of money. And, and we're really looking at potentially millions of people starving to death in the next you know, probably 10 months or so, directly attributable to the war in Ukraine. But it's more than that. I mean, yeah. some of it is uh, mismanagement within some some nations and, and corrupt governments. Some of it is supply chain interruptions. But, I mean, again, we pay, we pay the price here when it comes to inflation and particularly for food. But for other people, this is just a life or death situation. And I just can't imagine waking up in the morning and thinking, how do I feed my children today? And yeah. not knowing, not knowing the answer to that question. Yeah, and then play that out for us uh, as you look at that kind of instability and insecurity, where people are just wondering, how do I keep my family alive? Uh, kind of do go through the ripple effect of that in terms of how that destabilizes, you know, family, community, and country and, and nations. And <clears throat> and, uh, and again, I invite people to come or to tune in on Friday to listen to uh, Congressman Crawford because he really is a, a national expert on this. But uh, but the instability it brings to cultures and to governments is the primary factor that we would focus on. And uh, you cannot have a stable government if your people are not fed. Mm. And we just know that. Historically, yeah. that's just true. People who are starving to death will not just passively uh, accept that. They, in desperation, will then begin to, what in, in, in whatever way they can, do whatever they need to do in order to feed their families. And so it brings about incredible destabilization through society, which then, of course, bleeds into the destabilization of the government. And so we're looking at North Africa. We're looking at West Africa. We're looking at some parts of Eastern Europe. Uh, Asia, probably a little less so, but it's going to bleed into some places in Asia as well. And then, of course, coming back to the question that we ask, what is America's role in the world? Well, America, whether we like it or not, we are that light. We are the glue that holds the rest of the world together. And again, whether we like it or not, that's just true. And it's a tremendous responsibility. Well, much of that and the repercussions of that will then fall upon the United States to try to bring stability or to re- recreate stability in some of these regions. And, uh, and it's, it, it's just it's going to be an enormous challenge, I think, in the next probably 10 to 12 months. Yeah. You mentioned one of the other uh, guests that uh, many of the, at least the jazz fans know, Ennis Cantor Freedom. Uh, and he has become a, a vocal uh, player and a voice uh, not just uh, for the the Uyghurs of religious liberty, but also uh, human rights in terms yeah. of uh, a lot of the things that uh, many of the NBA players like to 
talk about while the uh, products that they're wearing or hawking uh, are being uh, done by child labor in different places around the world. What is it that Ennis Cantor brings to the, this particular summit and America's role in the world? Well, I, I think a couple of things. One is he has immediate credibility on this issue because he's literally sacrificed his career for his beliefs. I mean, imagine this, someone who comes and the day he's sworn in as U.S. citizens. And by the way, uh, one of my brothers is a federal judge here. And one of the most touching uh, things I've ever experienced is to be in his courthouse when he swears in new American citizens. It is, it is, no one can watch that without being, without feeling deeply, deep emotions about that. Well, on the day that Ennis Cantor swore in as an American citizen. He changed his name, legally changed his name, adding freedom. freedom. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and because he was vocal and outspoken, there's just no question that you know, he was, he was uh, ousted out of the NBA for that. Uh, now, I don't think he was at the top of his game, but he was certainly a valuable player still. And the NBA, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of many others, says we just don't want to hear it anymore. Because he was willing to point out the hypocrisy of some, not just some players, but some management as well, and saying, you know, you're willing to criticize, this is Ennis now, you're willing to criticize this nation that I'm so proud to be a, a member of now. But at the same time, you're entirely mute or you excuse far, far more egregious civil or human rights violations in, in other nations, particularly China. And, uh, and because of that, as I said, he's become an international spokesman for that. Uh, I think today he's in Israel. He'll be traveling tomorrow to come join us. I mean, he travels the world now sharing this message of China is, uh, is a global threat and they are atrocious on human rights. And we should just be fair and honest about that. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. We're going to stay with the conversation just a little bit longer today. Uh, Congressman Stewart's agreed to hang around through a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll we'll stay with this conversation. We'll talk a little bit about what's happening in Taiwan. We'll talk about China again and what that plays in. Uh, and again, how do we balance all of these things uh, with American freedom uh, and how we help continue to be that light to the rest of the world? Stick around. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and as we like to follow Einstein's philosophy, it's not about being smarter, it's being willing to stay with the question a little bit longer. And we are staying with the question a little bit longer today when it comes to security. Really pleased to have joining us in studio Representative Chris Stewart from here in the state of Utah. And he has coming up on uh, the 5th of August at the Little America in downtown Salt Lake City, uh, his annual Stewart Security Summit. And this is an important conversation. I've, I've watched the evolution of this uh, over the years, and you continue to astound me of who you're able to get to come in and the kinds of conversations you're having around America's role in the world. And so let's pick up on that, uh, particularly as it relates, obviously, a lot of focus this week on Taiwan. Uh, you mentioned you're going to have the Taiwanese representative, can't have an official ambassador uh, for all of those strategic ambiguity reasons. Uh, China's obviously uh, rattling some sabers and doing some uh, active drills. Uh, where are we in terms of both China and Taiwan? What does that look like moving forward? Well, what's unfortunate about this, Boyd, is that this whole episode was so avoidable. I mean, there was... Members of Congress visit uh, Taiwan not 
very often, but I mean, it's not unheard of. And I mean, we've had several there in the last few years. Uh, and it was true that the, for the speaker to go was obviously a bigger deal, but this was her intention. She intended to go yeah. to have the conversations and then to leave and then to announce I was in Taiwan. And by the way, that's very common. I will right. travel most of the places I travel because primarily because of concern, security concerns. We don't announce it until after we've left the country. But the administration apparently uh, did not want her to go, and so it was leaked that she was going to go. Well, that leaves us such a lose-lose proposition because yeah. now the, the one option is to go and to have all of the provocation and all of the emotion and the anger or to not go, and in which case we kowtowed to China, which is which is completely unacceptable. So it's unfortunate this happened, and it was, uh, once again, of the administration's own doing that we ended up in this. But look, China's really angry about this, and they're going to express that. So one of the things they've done is there's a, a number of military uh, operations and exercises that they announced very, very quickly. But one I want to emphasize is this live fire exercise. That's a that's the type of thing. If you're shooting actual live fire, that's normally a six or eight month preparation and announcement mm. to the world because you're shutting down airspace and you're shutting down international sea, sea lanes, right. uh, and you just can't do that willy nilly. And and they did. They said, well, we're doing it, and we're going to do it over these four days, which is this week, and it is essentially an embargo of Taiwan, mm. and that's of course why they're doing it. So it's a, it's a very provocative action, and that's in addition to their aircraft penetrating the air defense identification zones deeper and deeper into Taiwanese airspace. Uh, so we see their response. Now, I've told people all this week, I don't think we're going to go to war with China over this. I think China's not going to be provoked into war. They're going to do that at their own time and their own choosing, yeah. uh, and I don't think that is now. But it was it's unfortunate because it was unnecessary and it just creates a, a lot of stress, a lot of tension that was uh, that was already in a very stressed neighborhood. Yeah. I want to go really quickly to uh, Afghanistan. Obviously, the uh, taking out of uh, al-Zawahiri uh, over the last couple of days, obviously a, a big news element, one that you still had somebody inside of Kabul of all places. Yeah. Uh, give us some sense of uh, of that operation and what that actually means in terms of security. Well, it, this is a good thing. And as I've always said, I congratulate the incredible work of the intelligence community. I mean, if people knew the detail that goes into an operation like this, months and months of work, uh, and then the military and being able to carry out the strike and the and the uh, the intense effort to in in order to minimize civilian or innocent casualties to the point, for example, that I've seen strikes where they will literally wait till someone walks out of a room and hit him when he's in another room so that mm-hmm. they don't uh, expose people, you know, his in some cases, children or, or other innocent civilians. And they, w- they will not use warheads that explode. They'll just use a kinetic warhead. It just has enough energy with a warhead itself that they can kill one or two individuals, but they don't endanger other people. So such a, such a deep appreciation and congratulations again to the intelligence community yeah. and to the military for what they've done. And it's no question it is an enhanced our national security by having these Rahiri no longer uh, playing the role that he did with al-Qaeda. But on the other hand, there are some deep concerns. Number one is the president has told us, and one of his justifications for leaving Afghanistan the way he did was al-Qaeda was no longer a threat. They were not in Afghanistan. Well, very clearly they were. Their, yeah. their, their leader was there. And the second thing is the reality that uh, the debacle in Afghanistan made this type of operation nearly impossible and as a minimum so, so much harder 
because that we've lost entirely that element of human intelligence. And so I'm glad we were able to do this, but we did it despite the president's leadership, not because of the president's leadership. Mm. So many important conversations to have. And again, the Security Summit, uh, Stuart Security Summit 2022, Defining America's Role in the World, coming up uh, on the 5th of August at the Little America, downtown Salt Lake City, 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m., a host of uh, great, insightful speakers uh, and really looking at this element of security uh, and America's role in the world. And really quickly, before I cut you loose, Congressman, uh, we always joke about the August recess, and I always correct people and say, no, it's in-state work period. Uh, where are you working in August? Uh, it's like we were laughing before, uh, Boyd. I said, my wife, rather, I'd be in D.C. because when I'm in D.C., I can call her at night. <laughs> and when I'm on, uh, here in Utah, you know, I'm usually busy and driving in other places. But we're all over. We were in Richfield. We've been everywhere from, you know, we were in Ogden this morning meeting with some defense contractors uh, uh, St. George and all over. And I represent the most beautiful district in the country. And, uh, and I'm so proud to, to do that, but it's a joy to travel around the district. And we always look forward to August and being out and about. Wonderful. We appreciate you giving us some time. Representative Chris Stewart, we'll cut you loose. We know you got a dash to, uh, the next, uh, in-state work period, uh, commitment. Thanks for joining us today. And again, an important conversation coming up on August 5th, uh, the Stewart Security Summit, as I mentioned before, this is one that I've watched with great interest over the last several years, and it just continues to get stronger and better. And people around the country are watching and listening and leaning in uh, to what these conversations are. And they happen right here in our own backyard in, in downtown Salt Lake City. So I encourage everyone to be engaged in that because it is an important conversation for all of us to get to as we look at what is America's role in the world and how do we do that strategically? It's a complicated world. It's a it's a world of allies and alliances. And you have to go head to head with China on some things. And you got to make sure you can at least have a conversation with them so you can deal with places like North Korea and uh, and on the list goes. It, it is a complicated process. And this is another reason why. Uh, we often forget about the the committee work that goes on in Washington, D.C., where this intelligence work uh, is done and where representatives can really dig in and understand what's going on, why it's going on, and where we need to go next as a country. Uh, and those are not the things that happen in front of uh, cameras and microphones and uh, the public eye. It's not things that you hear members of Congress tweeting about and, and uh, talking about on social media to get likes and clicks. It's the hard work and heavy lifting of governing uh, and to me, that's the the real issue and the thing that we all need to keep our eye on and make sure we're willing to reward that kind of work rather than just who can uh, tweet the wildest tweet uh, or who can say the most outrageous thing uh, about an opponent in an election year. And so those are the things that uh, we have to get to as a society. We, we talked about this earlier today with Dave and Debbie, that if we just continue to reward those that are out there doing the performative kinds of things – the crazy tweets and the the wild uh, social media posts and the attacking of an opponent, uh, demonizing, all of those kinds of things. Uh, we have to be careful uh, because it seems to me that the trend is we keep rewarding bad behavior. Meanwhile, we always say as voters that what we really want, what we really want is someone who's willing to stand up and speak out and even stand alone when necessary. And yet... Uh, even just looking at the results from last night, uh, the women and men in elected office that are doing just that are not winning. They're not winning, which means as voters, as a society, we're saying that's not the most important thing. It's not important to stand up and speak out. It's not important to to honor your oath 
to the Constitution. And so that's a we the people issue. We can't continue to reward bad behavior because it does a couple of things. One, it it allows the people who are into the performative kind of politics to continue to gain power. Uh, We also talked earlier today just uh, this uh, race in Michigan where you had a Republican, a Republican who when he voted, Representative Mayer, when he voted to impeach President Trump, all the Democrats cheered. The entire left said, now there's a person, finally there's a person of integrity. Finally there's a Republican who's, who's willing to stand up and speak out. And then that same Democratic operation turned around and spent half a million dollars to make sure that Representative Mayer lost in a primary to a very extreme candidate that the Democrats should have no problem defeating come November. And if that's where we're headed, we will end up with a cacistocracy. Government by the least qualified, least representative, really the people that shouldn't be running the country. So you can always say you get what you pay for. As voters, we end up paying for what we get by our choices. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Don't go anywhere. Conversation continues coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.